Hello and welcome again to the next edition of We Talk Health. I'm Dr. Mike Revel, one of the emergency room uh, doctors and the medical director here at Jackson Madison County General Hospital for our emergency department, along with David Kearns, our uh, office manager. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing well. Good. Today we're going to talk about when should you go to the ER versus urgent care. Let's look at ESI levels, uh, things of that nature. Uh, that's kind of kind of the start of when you walk in uh, and kind of how that relates to an, a person's wait time when they come in uh, and how those ESI levels, what they mean, how those are determined. Right. And by ESI, you mean in, emergency severity index, which is basically when you walk through the door, how sick are you? As someone would say, you know, how sick a boy are you? Um, and um, basically we triage you based on that emergency severity index um, being a level one, meaning you need immediate care, like right then. Uh, level two, meaning you are super sick and going to need lots of resources to try to figure out what's, what's going on. Uh, a level three triage patient means you're going to need, you know, several resources. Definitely probably need to be in the ER um, and, you know, need to be seen soon, very soon. Uh, a level four and five are patients who are um, – less sick and could potentially be seen at, at urgent care. Things like sore throats, uh, minor cuts, abrasions, sprains, strains, insect bites, uh, those kind of things uh, where, you could, where you don't necessarily have to be seen. And as hopefully everyone knows, uh, when you come into the emergency department, you're seen uh, you know, it, uh, according to the severity of your illness and not the time that you presented. Um, and so on one hand, uh, having to wait a few minutes in the ER is, is – uh, is always frustrating, but on the other hand, that's likely a good thing. That means that you are triaged, hopefully, as someone that's not about to die in the next few minutes and doesn't need emergent care uh, within the next few minutes and can wait a few minutes to be seen by uh, a provider. So let's let's back up for a second. Uh, for the layperson who may not know, when you mentioned about uh, resources, what do you mean by that? Great question. By resources, I mean, um, what kind of studies do you need? If you have a sore throat, I'm probably just going to do a, maybe a strep swab or uh, something of that nature. If you sprain your ankle, I'm going to use one resource of an x-ray. Uh, probably not going to do any labs or anything like that for a sprained ankle. It's just a, a one resource. So that would be a severity level of a four, uh, essentially, if I use one resource. Five would be I don't need any resources. You have an insect bite, I look at it. Um, you know, I don't need to do any lab testing necessarily. Not that some insect bites don't need lab testing, but for the vast majority of them, we just make a clinical diagnosis based on what we see and, and doesn't require additional testing. So it's not only, uh, say, tests like lab work or if you have to have an EKG. It also is kind of referring to, in my opinion, you know, how many people are going to be involved in your care. Does that make sense? It does, yes. Yeah. Okay. I had pulled a few numbers uh, in regards to uh, just here alone at Jackson General Hospital uh, in our emergency department uh, based on uh, ESI levels for the month of August and September of this year of 2019, um, levels four and five, uh, 15% of those patients that we saw were level four and five. Would you say that that's probably um, an average number? Does that sound? Yeah, you know, I often get the uh, questions from the from people uh, who aren't in healthcare, and and they hear this on the on the news media and, and other places, and say, you know, our, our emergency departments are overcrowded. The majority of people don't need to be there. Um, certainly, you know, that would indicate then about eighty five percent of the patients that we see probably need to be in the ER. Um, I think that's a little overestimated. Certainly. Um, 
the fact that they present to an ER, uh, you know, winds up usually versus presenting to an urgent care type environment winds up usually in a little bit higher uh, level of workup just to make sure that the true emergency medical condition does not exist. Uh, there's a, um, a, a law passed uh, a number of years ago in the 70s called EMTALA and uh, Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, I think is what they call it now. It used to be Active Labor Act. but um, And basically that means that we as an emergency department are required to see anybody that walks through the door uh, and to screen them to make sure that they don't have an emergency medical condition. Uh, and that's what, you know, part of that triage and, uh, and then seeing the provider is for. Um, like I say, certainly probably 65% of what we see probably, you know, should absolutely have be here. The caveat you, you run into is, is you can't expect the lay public to know what, uh, is a true emergency versus not, um, what, uh, uh, sore throat, uh, you know, if they feel like they can't swallow, uh, that that could very well be an emergency. Um, and depending on the reason causing their sore throat, et cetera, et cetera, um, they don't, uh, they wouldn't know that. Now it's easy for us to go back in hindsight and look and say, you know, hey, it's just a it's just a strep throat or some other a virus or something else that that's causing their sore throat, and and they're they're not going to die, um, at least not not during that visit, um, and can can. Uh, could have potentially gone to an urgent care, but we, we see everybody regardless. Um, obviously, to help prevent overcrowding, we would love to, to have some folks um, that don't need emergency care to not come there because, you know, uh, emergency docs, we, we're not primary care physicians, and we probably aren't super great at, at uh, giving uh, primary care uh, advice and treatment. Uh, uh, if we were, we would be in a primary care clinic, right, uh, or an urgent care clinic, uh, and so we're uh, we know the latest and greatest on trauma and, and heart attacks and strokes. And, uh, so, you know, we're, um, have certifications and all those things, things here. So by no means, obviously, um, nobody would be turned away for treatment here. If they come in, you're, oh, you know, you've just got an insect bite. You should have gone to urgent care. I think that's obviously important for people to know, but also hopefully part of this is to help educate the community in regards to uh, kind of what we're talking about and making the the best decision for them. But at the end of the day, uh, to make sure that when in doubt, uh, it's best to, what is it they say, err on the side of caution? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're not sure, uh, if you think you may be having an emergency medical condition, so to speak, uh, then by all means, you know, you know, can go to the ER. I mean, obviously, we'd love for you to have a relationship with a primary care provider that, that you could call or, or have some kind of phone triage system that would, that would be able to help. You and I are sitting here looking at some reasons to go to the ER versus reasons to go to uh, urgent care, and, and some of those are things like a, a cough uh, can probably be seen in an urgent care. Coughing up blood probably needs to go to the emergency department. A small cut uh, on your finger can probably be handled at uh, an, an urgent care. Cut your hand or knee with a chainsaw, that, that probably needs to come to the ER. I mean, it's, a, it's easy to see these obvious things uh, with that, uh, but... Uh, for other things, you know, people, uh, if you don't know or aren't sure, then we're happy to see you. And I noticed whenever I was actually looking at some of this information there, I believe it was in, there's some in Texas, uh, kind of this one hospital's way or um, healthcare network's way of uh, educating the public in a humorous way is some billboards that they have. And some of them, uh, one side of it says, uh, I need antibiotics. And you would need to go to urgent care, 
but I need antivenom, then I would obviously need emergency <laughs> care. I think the funniest one on here that we we talked about was uh, if you step on a mouse trap, yeah, you can go to urgent care, come to the emergency room if uh, you stepped on a bear trap. So it's kind of kind of a joking way to put it, but kind of put things into perspective. Let's look at, um, I think, another uh, valid point to make would be in regards to the time that a visit would take. Uh, on average, urgent care versus an ER visit. I mean, of course, again, this is the entire time there. You know, some studies do show that the average time in a uh, in an urgent care would be less than an hour. And, of course, that just depends on where you go. That's not across the board. depends on how busy they are, the time of the season. Um, but also the ER average visit, not wait time, but the average would be around three hours. Uh, so you kind of have to look at that. But as you referred to earlier, obviously that's dependent on the severity, uh, the ESI level, things of that nature. And also regarding the cost, something to evaluate. Obviously, I don't think you should allow the cost of a visit to, or the estimated, what you think a visit is going to cost be what determines necessarily where you go because obviously if you need medical attention then you need medical attention Uh, but some studies have shown uh, an average urgent care visit approximately around fifty dollars for if you have a copay again that's all dependent on insurance and that's not set in stone depending on where you go Uh, and an average er visit obviously would be uh, more costly than that simply because resources other people involved Right, exactly. I mean, uh, urgent care visits, again, they're designed and set up to see people with minor problems and see them quickly, get them in and out uh, urgently, which is why they call them urgent care, I guess. But uh, uh, no, they they call them that because it's not a routine visit, but it's not an emergent visit, so it's more urgent. But they're designed to do that. We are, like I say, if you come into the ER, the average door to discharge time is about three hours for a discharge patient. Uh, We try to keep it uh, that or less. So you are going to spend a little bit more time here in the ER. Uh, again, that would include wait time versus resource time, uh, x-ray, turnaround time, et cetera, et cetera. We want to make sure that we're spending the majority of our time with our sickest patients uh, because that's who needs our care. Like I say, we're we're geared up and designed to treat heart attacks and strokes. And, and although we're still there to be able to treat you know sore throats and minor cuts and abrasions uh, and insect bites, uh, we can still look at those, but uh, we're really there uh, and designed to be, the big red sign says, you know, an emergency. Let's look at, uh, you mentioned a a minute ago in regards to um, some of the things that maybe are on the research that kind of looking through when to go to urgent care, when to go to the ER, some of the things that kind of overlap and maybe the differences in uh, when what makes one different than the other, say here for referring to burns, the difference in minor burns, severe burns, uh, things of that nature? Sure, yeah, you know, sunburn probably doesn't need to go to the ER. Uh, not to say that there haven't been some pretty severe, severe sunburns, uh, but uh, uh, certainly, you know, they can be painful, and, and sometimes uh, um, the ER gets used for after-hours care. Uh, most urgent cares are not open 24-7. Uh, some are, uh, and kudos to them, but we are always open uh, and are used sometimes late hour, late evening hours, early morning hours for urgent care type type visits. But, you know, to say things like uh, an allergic reaction, well, most allergic reactions are, are, are mild, uh, uh, consisting of you know, maybe some hives, some swelling, some itching. That can, stuff minor symptoms could potentially be treated at urgent care versus, you know, if you're allergic to bee stings and you get stung by a bee, 
uh, you know, that could be a, a life-threatening situation that would definitely warrant uh, an ER. So just to tell the lay public, you know, if you have an allergic reaction, that can go to urgent care versus the ERs would not be accurate. Um, it, it just depends on what's going on. Um, you know, chest pain, What you know, I think we're talking about what are some most common reasons for presentation to the ER. Uh, the most, I think the top two diagnoses we see are chest pain and abdominal pain. Um, and so we, you know, it's not realistic for the public if you're having chest pain to decide if that's simply just some gas uh, a reflux or a heart attack and urgent care will usually quickly triage you to uh, the local ER uh, if you're having chest pain. Belly pain's a, you know, a little bit different story. There's all kinds of things that go on inside the belly from gallbladder to appendix um, to, you know, full-blown sepsis, kidney stones, all kinds of stuff, diverticulitis that can go on and cause belly pain. And, and so belly pain is a resource-intensive uh, workup and, and hence the reason for spending some time in the ER to work that problem up. Do you feel that uh, there's a difference in maybe the urgency regarding pediatric you know, patients as opposed to an adult? Can you think of anything that maybe a pediatric patient would need to come here as opposed to urgent care? Well, certainly, you know, the newborn, um, anytime uh, you have fever in a newborn child, that's an emergency until, until proven otherwise because uh, kids, uh, especially two or three months of age or younger, can't really – show or tell for sure any uh, uh, any signs of discomfort that they may have, and it's often difficult to localize a, a source of infection. So a fever uh, of any amount in, in a child would necessitate a, an ER visit uh, if you're, you're three months of old age or really now two months of age or less. And by fever, I mean a, a, an actual rectal temperature, not just a, a scanner across the forehead or a tympanic membrane goes inside your ear kind of scanner. This is a, a true at-home uh, rectal thermometer, and, and expect to have a rectal temperature done on a young child when you come to the ER. You know, as we get older, the other methods of temperature manage, measurement are, are more reliable, but uh, in the newborn, they're not. You know, if you're not sure if it's an emergent problem versus urgent care problem, uh, we have uh, a couple of ERs here in town. Here in Jackson, West Tennessee Healthcare has both the main campus ER at uh, 620 Skyline, but we also have uh, a Jackson North Campus uh, Emergency Department um, that is, uh, you know, fully equipped uh, ER, able to handle uh, what they need to handle and make a diagnosis of uh, uh, of your problem 24/7. If you uh, so, if you you're not sure, you could consider going there uh, as well. Uh, it's probably underutilized right now, and uh, so we want to encourage folks to use that emergency department as well, uh, especially if they're on that that end of the county. In addition to our two uh, emergency departments here in Jackson, we have uh, ERs in uh, Camden, Milan, and Bolivar, as well as Martin and Dyersburg. Uh, we do uh, pretty much blanket uh, West Tennessee with the emergency services that are available and never want to discourage anyone from coming to the ER if they think they have an emergent condition. Uh, that's the bottom line. If you're not sure, you know, when in doubt, seek us out. Um, go to the nearest ER. And that about does it for today's edition of uh, We Talk Health. David, thanks so much for, for coming in. Thank you. And uh, join us again next time.